Most of us walk in the physical world 70% of the time and in the spiritual world only 30%. This is not how we should be living our lives. Ideally, you'll want to shift that walk the other way. This is To Win Within with Strong Thomason. If you're trying to really live your life instead of just going through the motions, you've come to the exact right place. Now, here is your host, Strom Thomason. Hello. Today, I'm going to be sharing some stories and experiences that I've had in life that have led me to this place. And um, I kind of grew up in, in, in Florida. Uh, also in Texas, I had some grandparents that lived in Texas and um, South Carolina. So I spent summers in one of those two places and a majority of my upbringing in Florida. And um, I, I, I lived in a very nice neighborhood. I, I grew up um, with the ocean and and with different things. And I always had a sense of real uh, and when I say that, I mean not superficial conversations. Um, I, I hadn't discovered what it meant, the, the, the definition of an empath, but in that sense, I was always sensitive to people around me, whatever their emotions were, whatever they were going through. Um, I noticed that I had a connection uh, with, with animals, um, didn't matter what type of animal it was. There was just this connection that I had with them. And I was surprised that people would have fear of animals. And, um, I never really understood why I was feeling what I was feeling, but I knew that I was. And when I would try to express it, um, at a very early age, I had people you know, they were surprised that I was even talking about some of those emotional things and what was happening with them. And I didn't ask regular questions. Um, I was always intrigued by, you know, what they were feeling and what was happening with them and kind of why it had an impact on me. And when I had a pretty, probably the fourth grade, I started going to Christian schools. My parents took me out of public schools and put me in Christian schools. And um, uh, school for me was really easy. It, it seemed like there was an enormous amount of time that we had to spend on one subject. And I, I seemed to have just been able to pick it up really easily. And what I noticed is when we talked about religion, and we talked about God, uh, they seemed different to me. When you, when you talked about God, that was all inclusive. He was the creator and, 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 and there was so much in, about him that was about creating and loving us and giving us choices. But depending on who I encountered, if they were from a different religion, still thought of as the same God, but a different religion, they had a different set of rules. They did things differently. And I found a disconnect in that. And I remember in the fourth grade asking my pastor why that was. And 
he just explained that there was different philosophies on on what God meant to different people. And that didn't really resonate with me. It just, it seemed like it was false. And, you know, I, I was in a Lutheran school and, and I had gone to Baptist churches and um, a really good friend of mine who I had known since we were just, you know, five or six years old, he went to private school, except it was Catholic. And so one day, you know, we were probably, I'd say in our uh, pre-teens, I went to his church and I remembered how organized it was and, and, and how it felt like very structured. Um, and it surprised me, you know, it's, it, it, I had that kind of disconnect with it. It felt like if you, if you were created by God, then you could just go to him. There was no, you know, set of things that you had to do in order to have him be present. You know, we were taught if two or more gathered, I am there. And so this, this level of, of disconnect with the religious side, um, I kind of like, I remember thinking, well, is that just stuff that, that man added to it? You know, is this just an interpretation by man about God? And so in that, in that disconnect, I started to ask more questions and search out what, in my opinion, man had taken with religion and just kind of a la carte or, or added things or subtracted things or interpreted things in, in a specific way and then changed that to a different name, but it was still God. And so I started studying, you know, other, other religions and looking at different ways that people perceived God. And I did that until I got into my teens and I left um, the private school and went into public school. And when I went into public school, the dynamics of, especially that age in your life, there was all these different like breakoff groups, almost kind of like religions where there was skaters over here, there was, you know, um, the jocks over here, the, you know, the studious people over here, everybody had their little clique, everybody dressed a certain way. I mean, when we were in school, pretty much we had uniforms. So there wasn't any kind of, you know, unless it was a dance, you didn't even, you dressed in the same thing all the time. And so there wasn't that issue of, of what you dress like said something about you. So there was all these new rules that I experienced. And I found myself gravitating towards the people that lived in my neighborhood. And I happened to live in a nice neighborhood. And, and those people, because they lived in that neighborhood, were somehow deemed popular because of where they lived or the money that their parents had, which I thought was, very, was really false. And there were people that from all different walks of life and all different uh, religions and backgrounds that had gone to my school. I lived in Florida, so there was many people who, who lived there from all parts of the world. And so I was able to experience that. And I found that same disconnect of, of people kind of compartmentalizing themselves into, I belong to this group or this group. And I never felt that way. 
I always felt like, you know, I, I can have a conversation with somebody who's maybe not my same race, you know, maybe not my same background and be able to enjoy whatever their background was, whatever their story was. And, and, and I found it fascinating that, you know, God created all of us. So all these people were going through different things and kind of from different backgrounds and were kind of melded together. And so there were times where there was a lot of judgment, either one group to another, didn't make any difference what kind of money was involved or what kind of religion or race. It didn't make any difference. Everybody had their own opinions about things and they kind of splintered off into groups. And I found that I could interact with all groups, but I, I always felt like I was having to give the group because I didn't feel like I was part of a group. I never stuck with one part of a group. I thought it was ridiculous that, that you would even be categorized as something if you chose not to be. If you were open enough to be able to interact with everybody and learn from everybody, then you weren't necessarily in a group and that's the way I felt. And so I was kind of this person that would, would see two groups arguing or fighting and I would try to reason the perspective. I would try to help them understand that the, the opinions of that person compared to the other person, that there was, there was a relation there. There was a connection. If you broke down all of those things that you were creating that defined you, then you, you, could, you could see the connection. And so I found that for me, when I, when I went to, you know, private school, we separated, you know, girls from boys and we had different teams. But when you got into school, they kind of all melded together, especially when you weren't doing like a sport like basketball or football or, or one of those sports, you kind of, you know, you had intramurals. We were playing volleyball together and you were doing stuff together. And as I started to get to that stage in my life where I was, you know, meeting new people, I found it fascinating that women communicated so differently than men. Their thoughts were so different at that age, especially. Um, the way that they perceive things, the way that they interpret things, the way that they felt. And I felt that I could, I could understand and relate to them more because I felt people's feelings. And I noticed that they really felt people's feelings. They didn't cut them off or discard them, or they weren't talking about Star Wars or cars or some other material thing. They were, they were talking about their emotions and their feelings. And it was fascinating to me. I, I spent like hours and hours and hours on the phone just talking and listening and, and giving different perspectives and kind of melding some of the thoughts that I had about whatever story they were telling me and it, 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 was, it was incredible to go through that evolution and understand and have that relation because I, too, felt, you know, when, when something happened that it would bring emotions to me. I wasn't afraid of my emotions. You know, I, I was really enthralled with the fact that I could witness two people and 
a, a spiritual sense, whether they're having a baby or they're getting married, it would literally, I would feel that emotion of that love for that child. Like if somebody was being baptized in the church or somebody was getting married, I could feel that, you know, the holidays come, came up and the celebration of that. I could feel that I could, you know, it was palpable to me. It, it, it resonated so strongly with me. And I noticed that as we were all becoming men or women on the women's side, I really related to how deep their thoughts were, how things got in their head and got cluttered and the emotion that went along with it. I love discussing that to the point where I would spend, and this is back you gotta remember, for me, this is back when the phone was connected to the wall and had a cord. So you would be sitting in one room for four hours at a time, and there wasn't even call waiting, so you were just tying up the line. And it didn't matter to me. It's like what I wanted to do. It's like I wanted to be in that emotion and that sharing. And so as I, I got older and I discovered that, before there was any kind of, you know, physical or men and women, you know, connect on that level, I, I started to realize that that's in all of us. You know, some of the, the guys that would be in school and we would go to parties and we would be talking, if I ever got somebody to where we were just talking one-on-one, I noticed as they got a little bit older, you know, 17, 18 years old, that I could have these conversations and the same questions were there and they weren't deflected by some kind of, you know, superficial thing like the big game next week or, you know, who's dating who, like all that stuff didn't really matter. And they were really asking legitimate questions about life. And I noticed that I got that kind of connection with them. And I was able to express it and go through it. And I really found that insight would come to me from places that I had no idea. Like I didn't understand why I knew what I knew. I just knew it. And when I was talking to somebody and I was present with them and we were connecting somehow, some way, I would say something and it would would be, it'd be amazing to me. I would be thinking, ah, how do I even know that? So I, I, I then kind of got into uh, going to college and, and figuring out what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be connected with people. And I had many people that said, oh, you should be a psychiatrist or you should be a minister or you should be this. And they had all these ideas, but I was kind of going through my own thing. And I kind of transitioned at that time to start thinking about what what did I actually want to spend my time doing? Did I, I didn't want to get caught up in the whole, you go to school, you get a job, you get married. I mean, I knew I wanted children. I loved being around children. I loved interacting with people. Children were always so real. You know, there wasn't any kind of story. They weren't trying to pretend to be something. And if they were, it was completely obvious. You know, they're trying to pretend to be Superman or He-Man or whatever. And so as I was going... And to college, some of that framework of the cliques of school kind of like 
faded. It wasn't quite as strong. There was many people and, and there wasn't as much where you lived and, and you could go to parties at different places. And the only kind of place that it really defined itself was in sororities and fraternities. Like the people that liked that structure kind of migrated to that place. And I always just wanted to be open to be with anybody, to experience everybody with whatever they had come to a conclusion at such a short time in their life that I wanted to, to experience everyone and not be kind of blocked in to one group or another. And so I found that I could go to different colleges and those different colleges in different parts of the country, they had their own set of ideas and thoughts. And so that was fascinating to me. And then just as I was starting to think, okay, well, this is what I, you know, I'm going to figure out what I want to do. Maybe I want to go into psychology. I want to go into finance. I want to do whatever. Um, my grandmother got sick. And when she got sick, you know, my grandfather needed help taking care of her. And they lived in Houston. And at the time, I was in South Carolina. And so they asked me to come for the summer. And so I was like, all right, I'll come for the summer. I'll help out. I'll do whatever I can. And they had many properties and a motor home and all kinds of stuff. And so... I, I essentially, one day I was at a, uh, at a party and somebody had a brick phone, which was uh, one of the first wireless phones. And they said, hey, believe it or not, your grandparents are on my phone. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, they called my parents and they gave them this number and so they want to talk to you. And my grandparents told me what they needed from me, but they needed it sooner because my grandmother's health was not was not doing very well. So I, uh, I got on a plane and I took off. And once I took off and landed there, my life perspective really changed in seeing two people that I was so close to um, kind of go over their whole lives of what had happened. And they wanted to teach me all these things. And they wanted to let me know about life experiences. And it was just like this flood of information. And, and they were more real with me. They were treating me like an adult, like they never had before. And it was extraordinary. I learned so much in that time um, by looking at you know, photo albums and whatnot. I, um, I will continue the story after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. What makes someone successful in their field? On Transformational Energy Leadership, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey speaks to amazing guests who share their ideas, advice, tips, and tricks as to what defines success for them. The result is positive transformation for you. You'll learn that personal energy is the key to make it work. 
And you'll hear through actual examples how to bring that positive transformation to life. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to live the life of inner peace that you deserve. Tune in every week for Sacred Exploration with host Lisa Tremont Oda. You can discover the you that has been kept hidden all this time. Show off your personal gifts to the world. Lisa and her guests will combine health and spirituality to bring you the experience that you've been waiting for. You'll enjoy this journey every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's sure to be a nourishing experience. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Who are you, really? Are you the person you want to be, or are you the person that others want you to be? Think about that. We don't always recognize our gifts and potential because we stick to old methods of being and do what others in our lives tell us. It's time to break through. Listen for Rediscovering the Magic of Being with Marja. Each program connects you back to whom you were meant to be every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to to win within to reach strom thomason or his guests today please call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to stromsworld at yahoo.com now back to this week's show okay so i take off on a plane um i land in houston um i go see my grandmother and you know she's not she's not doing well, but you know she she kind of I guess got better for a little while. There was kind of a, a she just got her health back. She went into the hospital. My grandfather uh, flew for Air Force One for President Kennedy, and so in Houston you could go to, I think it's Clear Lake. Um, and they had a big military base and, and a great hospital. And so she went into the hospital and, and they did some things to where she felt better, uh, but they weren't sure that, you know, the cancer had gone away. It was, they had done some surgery and she seemed like she got better. And so I got to experience, um, listening to them talk about their lives and going through photo albums and the choices they made and the experiences they had. 
and they would witness to me the moments that they felt like they had experienced miracles and that God had touched their lives. And so I, I decided that I would go to school there and I would help them, you know, grocery shop and do different things because they just weren't as able. They were, they were in their late seventies and they had lived a, a, a pretty interesting life. And so, you know, they just needed somebody to help. And so I stayed on and, and they started to talk about, you know, what would happen after they were gone. And that was strange for me because I just, that had never, I'd never thought that. That never even occurred to me um, at that time. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going through this and all of a sudden I, I, I go into school and, and we kind of get into routine. And about six months into it, my grandfather gets sick. And he got sick so quick. It was like one minute, you know, he and I were, were talking and we'd take trips in the motorhome to go look at their different properties and make sure those were okay. And, and it was like he got sick and we went into the hospital and it was so fast. I mean, within two to three weeks, my grandfather went from being in the hospital to be in hospice and then passing away. And it was such a shock. And the, the intensity of the last moments of his life and the last months of his life for me was, was an incredible roller coaster of, of emotions and and at the same time, I was so, so grateful because having that level of empathy, feeling people's emotions, my grandfather and grandmother, when they would talk to me, they were reliving those amazing moments. They were reliving the moments when, when my father was a baby or they were reliving moments that I was a baby or my sister and, and they, were, they were talking about all these joyous occasions and it really dawned on me that I should have a huge level of appreciation because I got to spend that time with them. I got to see them in those moments. I wasn't off working or going to school or being distracted, but I got to share in those moments. And they made such a pivotal impact on me. I was so grateful to have shared those moments. And I think if I hadn't, I don't know what the pain of the loss would have been like, but I remember them talking to me and saying that it was okay, that they had lived a wonderful life and that they were happy that I shared it with them. And they wanted me to always do the things I wanted to do. Just, just, just take chances, just do things, you know? And, they told me about some of their choices, good and bad. And they told me the things they learned from them. And so it was really a deep moment for me in my spirituality. Um, even after he passed, I still felt his presence. I still remembered the stories and shared those moments as if they were happening in that very moment again. 
So he passes away and, you know, you go through all the emotions of it and then we're kind of on the other side and life changed so quickly. I started to change my routine. I started to be like, okay, I have to be there for my grandmother because, you know, she had this person that she was with for, you know, so many years, 50 years of her life. And now he's, you know, no more. And that, that void of him being there and, and helping her through it and being really always thinking about how much I appreciated the time I had with him. I always tried to think about those moments so that my, my grandmother wouldn't feel as much loss. I felt somehow that if I was happy and positive about it and if I listened to what she was saying and I just just felt what she was feeling and, and was in that moment with her, that it would be helpful. And I remember it was probably about, I don't know, probably three or four months after he passed away that she started to get sick again and, you know, didn't want to eat and just, it's just kind of, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, you know, I'm getting ready to go through this again. And I could see the, the, the loss of that connection with my grandfather. I could see it in her and kind of something very similar that happened with my grandfather happened with my grandmother. She went into the hospital and was jaundiced and, and, you know, just did not even look the same. And probably within two weeks, she like withered away. I mean, hospice was there. Like we were going through all of this stuff again. And it was, it, it really sh shook me to have that kind of intensity, you know, within two years was, was rattling to me. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I got to go out and I got to start my life and I've, you know, I've got to do these things. I've got to have these experiences and, you know, <clears throat> I kind of lost myself in the thoughts of creating a life, not knowing necessarily what that looked like and being in that place, you know, of, of kind of thought about life and how long it lasts and how these people that were in my life, my whole life had three times that much life and their time. So I just jumped in. I met somebody, I got married, I had kids and, um, one day discovered that, you know, some things in my past when I got married and I had kids kind of came up. Um, one of the things that came up for me was my father. My father was a very charismatic, uh, very attractive man, um, confident, 
but he was an alcoholic and he was very, he was an angry alcoholic and I was <clears throat> kind of a, a lightning rod for him. I would, I would take that charge for my mom and my sister and, and, um, you know, he was, he was frustrated with himself, but he was perpetuating by drinking all the time and he would make us promises and I would call him out on it. And, you know, all those things kind of came up when I became a father, when I witnessed, you know, my first son be born, like all of these, this, this flood of, you know, me as a father and what kind of father I would be, they all, it all came out. You know, thinking of my grandfather more like my father than my father. And so it was kind of, well, it wasn't kind of, it was, it was, it was surreal. And my dad, my, my father was still alive at this time. And so I called my dad after the experience and I was like, you got to come see your grandson. You got to come see this amazing thing that we're all connected to. You got to come witness it. And we hadn't talked in probably, my gosh, eight years at that time. And my grandfather, when he was alive, did not get along with my father. So my grandfather and I kind of talked about my father in that sense and some of the things that he did. And so... I was thinking about all those times and all that frustration or anger that I had with my father. And I thought about my grandfather dying and something about my son being born, like it gave me almost like a glimpse into the future. Like I was, I was present at that moment and whatever anger or frustration I had with him for the way he verbally or physically treated me, it didn't matter anymore. Like, I mean, it, it just like, it just like went away. I could not, I couldn't imagine that level of forgiveness. And I had been taught about forgiveness for a long time, but to actually do it it really was about letting go. And I thought to myself, I just want to have whatever experience I can with him, whatever he can give me. I'm, I just want to have that experience with him. And so I could feel him. I could feel him feel regret, you know? I didn't need words. I could hear him be ashamed. And the weirdest part about it was you'd think, you know, when you're, when you're out of spirit and you're in ego, you'd think that that somehow would make you, like, happy, content. There would be this feeling of, okay, he gets it. Okay, he understands this. But it wasn't there. All I could think about was, I want to have some type of relationship with this man. And I'm telling you, the relationship that I had with him, 
we talked about golf. We talked about weather. I mean, we talked about nothing that had any great depth. But under the surface, we were still connecting. We were still talking. And so years into this, I have, well, actually 19 months, I should say. I had my next child, and that was my second son. And so, again, I'm, I get on the phone. I talk to him. I'm like, listen, you got plenty of time to plan. You know, you got months and months and months. And there always seemed to be something. And I always felt like I want to make sure that it's not on my end. I want to make sure that this is not about, about, about me and how I feel and what I think. That it, that it was about me just letting it go and maybe he would. And I asked him to come see me. I asked him to come down. And he was actually in a motorhome on his way down to pass right by my house. And <clears throat> we talked about it and talked about it. And I just, I could feel the hesitation in him. And... He didn't show. Like he literally drove within two miles of my house in a motorhome and didn't come see either one of his grandkids. I was I was astonished by that. Now I wasn't surprised. I just felt like I could I did all that I could possibly do to get to that place with him. And I never made any of his choices, you know. And so I couldn't, I couldn't understand why, but it wasn't my choice. It was his. And it had a great impact on me. A lot of self-awareness in that and understanding that. A lot. Even to this day, I can feel it. It made a great impact on me. It helped me be a better father, for sure. And I will continue how this impacted me after the commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What makes you a success? Is it your business or career? Is it your family and social life? How do you achieve the next level in your success? Tune in to Infinite Success Radio with host Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Rachel and her amazing guests are here to encourage, inspire, and empower you to take control of your destiny and achieve the level of success you were born to reach. How do ordinary people become extraordinary? Find out with Infinite Success Radio, broadcasting live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, you're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. 
Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Don't you just wish sometimes that life could come with a do-over button? We'd probably use it a lot more than we think. What if there was one do-over button you could use each week? Make that place the Voice America Empowerment Channel for Code to Grace, the empowered women's guide to life, with host Marilyn Mosier. Marilyn and her guests will help you find the key to break free from the chains of your life and start anew. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Have you always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything, what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life and for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to To Win Within. To reach Strom Thomason or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to stromsworld at yahoo.com. Now back to this week's show. Okay. I am learning how to tell stories on the radio, so bear with me sometimes when I'm going in and out of commercials because it's it's an art, and I just started doing it. Um, to get back to my story with 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 my father and my second son being born and him being that close, it was probably the first time, and I I, I wasn't aware of the definition of it. It was just something that I did. I kind of. I got to the place where I was like, this isn't about me. I mean, I, I, I tried to do everything. I mean, I even told him because I could tell that it's like he hadn't seen me in so long and there had been so many things that had happened. I said to him, listen, Nigga, you can plug your motor home. I live on a cul-de-sac, so you can plug your motor home in and be at the end of the cul-de-sac and you can still have your own space and, you know, do whatever you need to do just to see your grandson. And, and when he didn't do that, it, it didn't surprise me, you know, he never, you know, one of the issues with alcohol for him was just not wanting to deal with something, to, to run away from it. Um, he had such a huge ego and confidence in so much of his life that when things didn't go right, whatever caused him to turn to alcohol, it really just kind of ate up all of that confidence. It just, it, it, it made for him the demons worse. And so, you know, he was still drinking at the time. So I also thought, you know, that could be it. So after, after about two days of him being on his trip and he got far enough away where he couldn't turn around, I got on the phone with him again. And 
you know, we were talking and I was being really understanding about it. And I think he was, he was expecting me to just freak out, you know, like I did when I was younger and scream and yell and, and, and have this whiteboard of all these things that he'd done wrong and, and tell him and everything and just, you know, be brutal. You know, and I was, when I was younger, I did it at an early age, describing his, the stories that he would tell us, the lies and, and all the things that he did that it kind of affected our lives. Um, I learned at a very early age to be able to remember things like that. That was almost like I was constantly looking for ammunition and information on, you know, what was happening in my life with all the people that I was involved with. I was constantly studying and analyzing and looking at things and, and trying to learn from it. And so I think he was expecting me to be that person to just, just to try to tear him apart for the emotions that I felt and the rejection, but I didn't have it. I just didn't, didn't feel that way. And I, I had lost my grandparents and I realized how you want to say whatever you want to say. You want to, you want to experience whatever you want to experience when you have the opportunity, because you may not always have the opportunity, you know, age is one thing, but I mean, somebody can, anybody can go at any time. No one's guaranteed anything. So, you know, I got on the phone with him and he was expecting me to act a certain way. And, and when I didn't, I think it kind of surprised him. And he, he was bold enough to ask me the question, where did you learn all of this stuff? Where, how did you become this person? Because the last time he had seen me, you know, I was, I was really young, you know, I was a teenager. And so he had lost that, that, that gap of time. So in his mind, I was still that rebellious kid. I was still that, you know, that thorn in his side, calling him out for everything. And so I, I paused for a couple seconds and then it was just like, it came out of me. I said, you know, I, I think about everything that you ever did when you were raising me and you were talking to me. And I do the opposite. I think about what you would do in the situation and, and how it made me feel. And I have such a, a greater sense of awareness with my kids. And I, 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 it was probably the most pause I'd ever heard in any conversation up to that point. It was just like, there was like dead silence on the phone, like nothing. And he immediately, after that dramatic pause, just said he had to go. Like he had this sense of urgency that he just had to go. And we didn't talk for a while. And so I remember somehow coming across like forgiveness, you know, whether, whether it be in a Bible or one of the many religions that I looked at, there was, there was this talk of forgiveness and how much it mattered for the person that had been wrong to forgive themselves for whatever part they had in that situation and how freeing it was. 
And when I thought about the fact that my father drank, like, <laughs> I mean, bottles of vodka, like vodka over food, like nonstop. I there's no way that his body can sustain that level of poison for that long. And so I remember thinking if he, if he passed away tomorrow, if something happened to him, you know, how would you feel? Is there anything that you would have wanted to say? Is there anything you would have wanted to do? And I really thought about it for a while and being around the miracle of children, you know, that, that, I mean, if I, if I could feel people's emotions when I had a child and I was with that child, oh my gosh, like I could just, I could so relate. I mean, I mean, just like immediately have connection. It was just like animals. Animals weren't afraid of me. You know, even if they were angry, I could get them to calm down. It was, I just did the same thing with my children. If my, if and I don't know if you've ever, you know, anybody out there that's been around kids, when kids start losing it because of whatever is upsetting them, the person they're drawn to, because they don't use words, is the individual that's calm. They're, they're looking for that, that frequency of peace. That's what they're looking for. And it doesn't even have to be my child. I can walk up to a child right now in the grocery store and if they're freaking out about something, I can walk up to them and just having that calmness, they will stop crying as loud. They'll stop being as frustrated. And so when I, I was around my kids and I was absorbing all this love, I, I, I connected to it and it, it empowered me to forgive my father. But not only to forgive him, like to be able to say it out loud, which is another affirmation, another different level of frequency, not just in your head, but words that are coming out and in the frequency and the manner in which they were derived from. So if it's positive energy, that frequency is positive. And I called him up and I don't even think I said hello. I just, I mean, like, I was like, I got to tell you something. And he's like, okay. And I just said, I want you to know that I love you and I forgive you. And I remember like my voice cracking and starting to cry because it was, I was saying that to him because I didn't want him to die and not know that. And, and I, what's really weird about that, and I, I didn't expect him to do anything. I, I, I just didn't expect to have him give me something. There wasn't any thought in that. I did it because I thought I would not want this person that's my father to pass on without knowing this. I, I, I just, I want him to know. And so he... He says to me, he goes, I'm, I'm sorry, but he kind of like was like kind of, it was hard for him to get out. And then he said, and this was a like horrible memory for me, like very, very difficult. One of the most difficult things I ever experienced. And I don't know the exact age that I experienced this, but my father 
you know, they had parties all the time. This was like the 70s. So they, there was constant parties happening. And and so one night I get upset about something. And I'm at a really early age, you know, between four and, and, and eight years old. And I'm upset. I cry. And I'm upset. I can't even remember what I was upset about at the time. But something impacted me. And my father had been drinking. And he was telling me that men don't cry. And so I ran into my room and I hid underneath my bed and my dad got the Polaroid out and started taking pictures of me crying. Like, it was devastating. And then showing them to me. And I remember thinking that there was something wrong with me because I had this feeling about everybody and I had this connection with everybody's emotions. And thinking to myself... Why, at the time, I want to change this. I want to be different. I don't want to be this way. And he apologized for that. Like, that wasn't even part of my thought process of of forgiving him. And it made a huge impact on me. And I was able to let it go. I was able to let that aspect go. So I had no expectations. And then by forgiving him, he thought of a moment that impacted me and wanted me to know. It was incredible. It literally changed. It was part of the catalyst in moments that changed my life that allowed me to be back into that empathetic place. It allowed me to discover it and to revel in it as opposed to looking at it as it was like this weird weakness. And then my safety lied with talking and hanging out with women because they were emotional. Now I'm getting ready to come down to the closing of the show, but it's definitely not the closing of my story. And, and some of the pivotal moments that happened in my life that have led me to this place through discovery. Like I had to do stuff with it. I had to say, I'm willing to be guided. I'm willing to be open. And then when I was, it was laid out in front of me. And I'll leave you with this one last thought until I continue the stories next week. Once you ask, once you surrender under that, once you understand that you are a a spirit having a human experience, once you get to that place, the discovery these days with the internet and YouTube and and people connecting in ways, like it's an it's an amazing journey. It's discovery and it's not easy, but it truly is what life is about. And that's why I'm sharing my story and why I help people. Why I share this information. So I'm sure that as we go through this process, we'll learn from one another. And you can visit my website at twowinwithin.com. There'll be information there. And um, I look forward to next week. This was much better show than the last one. I'm less out of, in my head. And I appreciate you guys being patient. 
Thank you for joining us for To Win Within. Be sure to join Strom Thomason for another edition next Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until our next show, have an even better week.